Welcome to the Athletes in the Arts podcast, hosted by Stephen Karaginas and Yasi Ansari. Hello again, welcome to the Athletes in the Arts podcast, along with my co-host Yasi Ansari, I'm Stephen Karaginas. If you like what you hear today and you feel like doing something nice, please leave a nice review for our show. For information and resources on performing arts medicine, please go to www.athletesandthearts.com to watch videos, download one-pagers, and get access to many other resources. So, our show today is all about one of the most demanding performing arts, a form of theater in the round that originated in the United Kingdom in the 1800s and came to the United States near the turn of the century shortly after. I'm talking, of course, about professional wrestling. It has huge fan bases in Mexico and Japan, but tours take these performers all across the planet in a never-ending circus of physicality and theatricality 52 weeks a year. Now, we refer to professional wrestling as entertainment. Now, we refer to professional wrestling as entertainment and theater. But as you will soon learn, that does not properly reflect the physicality and intensity of the shows in the ring, nor the necessary discipline and training out of the ring. And on top of all the physical skills on display, successful wrestlers need to be high-level performers, developing their acting skills, donning the right costumes and makeup, playing to a live audience of 20,000 crazed fans in the arena, and a TV audience of millions worldwide. This is the theater of pain, the agony, and the ecstasy. This is the consummate representation of Athletes in the Arts in its purest essence. Woo! Whoa, I can't even talk about wrestling without falling into a wrestling character. Okay, okay, I'm calm. So, what is this world like from a medical perspective? What does it take to be a successful professional wrestler? Well, we thought we would join with All Elite Wrestling to make this a championship-level event. Now, in just three short years, AEW has become one of the biggest wrestling brands in the world, and their shows are on TBS and TNT every week. So, joining us today... AEW's medical director and my friend, Dr. Michael Sampson. And he's brought with him some very special guests. First, this is the AEW TNT champion. Wardlow. Thank you. Also with us, the AEW women's champion. Thunder Rosa. Thank you. So let's start with you, Dr. Sampson. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in pro wrestling. So um, I really had, I've only went to one pro wrestling event when I was in between college and medical school. And I, I thought it was cool, but that was about my experience. And then, but, but I used to, uh, back in the day, I used to watch it with my father, my grandfather, um, Bruno San Martino, rest, uh, prof- uh, Pittsburgh wrestling. Um, and then didn't think anything about it. And then I got a call from WWE saying, Hey, we, we'd like you to be our, uh, we'd like you to work with us. And I thought Joe Maroon, who is the Steelers uh, neurosurgeon, I thought he was talking about being one of the te- Steelers team doctors. So I said, yes, before he even said anything. And he said, uh, I, you don't know what I'm even talking about yet. And I said, yeah, the Steelers, he said, no. He said, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. And I said, no. And then, of course, I said, yes, because you never turned on an opportunity that you're going to regret. And here we are, how many years later? Um, 
now I'm on the second big company of uh, professional wrestling. And um, I, I learn something every day from these guys and girls because it's an interesting sport and it's, it's incredible. So I uh, learned how not to jump every time they maybe have an injury. Uh, it may be a work injury. It may be a shoot injury. Uh, there's all vernacular of wrestling. So um, if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about or we're talking about, just let, let us know. Cause it's a whole different vernacular. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been amazing to the, these guys and I'll, I'll put I'll put them over. Um, the best, <clears throat> most humble, most respectful, most thankful athletes I've ever worked with. So it's been it's been great. So how much of um, like the sport in your sports medicine career prepared you for this? Um, well, the injuries, I mean, injuries are injuries. You get, you know, you have a laceration, you know, you have a laceration. You have a, an elbow dislocation. It's an elbow dislocation. It's how it happened. Um, but it's it's. Uh, it's learning how, how, it, how they happened or watching to see, you know, as, as Steve, as you know, um, looking for an injury that's going to happen. Like, you know, you, you're going to see it happening. And so when they're in the ring, just something that it doesn't look right. And then next thing you know, they're injured. So I'm, I definitely am prepared to take care of anything that happens in the ring, um, even a heart attack. Um, but uh, hopefully that never happens again. Um, but I, my medical career, you know, our medical careers definitely, uh, prepared us for any type of injury that's there. Um, you know, having an emergency action plan, if something happens, um, you know, and if something does happen, taking care of it and then following up. So, um, it was just the, it was just learning how to see an injury that's real. Mm. It's scripted. And that was the hardest part for me. Um, and I think I'm getting very good at it, but some, some guys and girls, they sell very well. And I still, I still get fish hooked and go, Oh my God, are you all right? Yeah, doc, I was selling. So, you know, it, that was the hardest part. So can you tell us a little bit about like what you look for? Is it a secret sign? Is it, you know, what, what's something that you keep an eye out for when you know it's a real injury? So, so with, if it's going to be a scripted injury, um, the, uh, you know, we pretty much, we're pretty much, uh, told that, it, that it's going to be, or mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're led to, Hey, something might be going on. Um, I've, I've talked with the refs and the refs are my eyes and ears in the ring. And so if somebody goes down, I can't run into the ring every time and check on them. So the refs will stop, you know, they'll, they'll lean down, talk to the talent, you know, make sure everything's okay. And you know, the talent will say, okay, or whatever. And then if, but if it's not, the refs, I've given the refs the power to stop a match. Like if it means one of the talent is could potentially continue to get injured if they go, I've given them the power to stop a match and then I'll come in. And, you know, it's nice because during during um, taping, you know, we can stop a match and it never goes on air. But during live TV, it's a little bit different. And so you try not to stop a match. But if it's, you know, it's for the health and welfare of the athlete, I don't, you know, I'll stop a match. I don't care. So, um, so the right. refs, refs are very good at, we have an earpiece with them. They can talk to me and they'll say, doctor, okay. Or yeah, they need a minute or yeah, this is, they, they seem like, you know, they, you know, dislocated a finger, they have a concussion, whatever. And so that's when we, I go in and, and, and again, the beauty of this sport is we can change the ending 
and still have it look like it's a total performance. Nothing, you know, there's uh, nothing's missed, but we just change the ending to keep people safe and then go back and people aren't even aware of it. So, you know, that's one of the beauties of it. So speaking of the people that are involved in this, we have on our show two champions, the two champions of AEW, Thunder Rosa, AEW women's champion. Uh, first off, how did you get started in wrestling? How does your how did your career lead you to AEW? Um, I didn't I didn't really like wanted to be a wrestler. I, I just stumbled upon it because I liked the theatrics of the what professional wrestling was. And um, I used to go to a lot of uh, local shows and when I used to live in Oakland. I used to be a social worker. So wrestling for me was like my, my escape from reality. But I just got so involved in it. And I just like how eccentric you could be and how like, you can be out of this world. So that really attracted me in the athletics of it. I never was able to do any sports when I was younger. And at that age that I started, I was started at 26, 27. That's really? when I started. Yeah, yeah, I started wow. in a in an older age. Wow. Uh, I just jump in, and I really like it. And I, I, I figured out that I was actually pretty decent at it. And as you can see now, I'm a world champion. So, um, <laughs> uh, that to me was was really good. But I, I also was very aware of like the amount of injuries that we that I could, you know, potentially suffer if I didn't do things right because it's just a very dangerous sport. And uh, although uh, a lot of people, which I know it's it, it irks me a lot when people say this is fake. I they don't understand the amount of pain that we as athletes have to go through uh, throughout the years. And like the, the more and more, you know, bumps we take, the more and more pain and later on in, in life we suffer with arthritis, you know, with back problems, neck problems and everything. So from the moment I started training, I made sure that I was very thankful uh, that I had insurance. So uh, I was able to, you know, do some preventative stuff. Uh, while I was training as, as a professional wrestler. And I, I think that really helped me to, to maintain my body the way that I have maintained my body. So while you were growing up, Thunder Rosa, did you, um, were you involved in other sports that helped you train for wrestling? No, I mean, uh, besides playing with the, with my friends in the streets in, in Tijuana <laughs> uh, and like the occasional time when I did, uh, I think I did basketball when I was nine years old. And that's when I really, really fell in love with sports. But yeah. because of my socioeconomics, I was not allowed to do sports. I had to like focus on work in school. So uh, that really like set me back in, in that aspect. But when I was able to do sports, that was in uh, my last uh, year of high school. Like, that's when I came to America. And then my, through my whole entire um, uh, university and community college, that's when I, I learned how to play all the sports that I wanted. Basketball. They, um, I think I played softball, volleyball. Uh, I learned how to swim, um, tennis. I fell in love with tennis. And then I learned everything at an older age. That's amazing. Wow. That's awesome. So Wardlow, TNT champ, the war dog. What led you to AEW? Because, I mean, pretty much your career has been ascending, you know, so fast here. But um, what led you to, what? how did you find wrestling as your calling? Uh, I found wrestling at a very young age. Uh, my uncle uh, introduced it to myself, uh, and he took my older sister to a show in Cleveland, and she came back with this booklet of eight by tens with, uh, you know, Hawk Hogan and Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior. And I just remember thinking it was the coolest thing in the world. 
And uh, I just started watching it. And I saw Bret Hart for the first time, and I fell in love. And I, pro wrestling just became my entire life. Um, there was a small gap where we couldn't afford cable for a while, so I couldn't watch it. And uh, <laughs> basketball actually replaced wrestling for a while uh, when I was a little kid. I loved basketball, Michael Jordan and Kobe. Um, but then we were able to get cable again, and I immediately started. I remember the first day we got it, I think it was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, Sunday night heat is on. I'm like, I get to watch wrestling night one. So uh, I started watching it again, and it was just, it's always been the plan. And after high school, uh, it was just uh, turned into a wild animal and went down a little bit of a <laughs> different path. And uh, like in high school, did you play football chances. or did you play wrestle or play football in high school? Uh, elementary school, I played every sport, uh, basketball, baseball, football, junior high. I started, uh, I'm going to be a pro wrestler mentality. So wow. I was like, I'm going to do cross country uh, just to get in shape. And uh, but then in high school, I had to start working my junior year. So uh, figures, I didn't really, I was a runt, believe it or not. I was, the, I was the little guy. I was the little speedy kid. But uh, wow. I, I finally started to grow my junior, senior year. But that's exactly when I had to start working. So finally, when I could dominate, you know, with wrestling or football or basketball, truly, uh, I had to work. So uh, it was just working and bodybuilding from that point on. Wow. And then, uh, and then yeah, so eventually... I got my life together and found a wrestling school and started training. And I worked the Indies in Pittsburgh, mostly uh, Erie. Uh, You know, I traveled around uh, Chicago, Canada. I got around a little bit on the Indies uh, for a Mm -hmm. number of years, but I had to work as well. I had a full-time job during that. So not a lot of exposure. Um, And then eventually AEW came along and, I got the call and had a little tryout with them and it went very well. And here I am. So they scouted you out at the Indies. Is that how it works? They have scouts out there that call you or, or looking, or do you have yeah, to reach out to them or how's it work? So it was kind of the perfect storm. Britt Baker mentioned my name to Cody Rhodes because Britt and I literally came up together like the exact same time in Pittsburgh at IWC. So uh, we've known each other our, our whole careers. And uh, so she mentioned my name. And then Glacier Lloyd uh, did a seminar at IWC and he saw me perform. He mentioned my name to Cody. Uh, some guys from Warrior Wrestling mentioned my name all within like a month span to the point where he went, okay, finally, like, okay, right. let's see what, <laughs> like, what's the, what's the deal with this kid? Let's see what he, if he's actually as good as I'm here. And uh, Cody watched me work with QT for about three, four minutes, and he knew it was uh, worth the investment. Phenomenal. So, Thunder Rosa, how did you get yeah. into AEW then? How they like? How well, did- you know, it's so interesting for for me. I just just like Warlow. I worked in the in independent scene in California for a while. And I travel all over the world. I've been in Mexico, Canada, you know, London, Japan, multiple tours. 
I was like an indie darling for a while. And then I worked different TV shows. I, I started with Lucha Underground on my first year. Like, it, everything else was the right place at the right time. So Lucha Underground, wow, I mean, a bunch of it. Until I, uh, until finally they, they gave me a chance at Santa Rosa uh, National Wrestling Alliance in where I became uh, the women champion too. And during this time, um, it, it, uh, I, it was COVID. It was 2020. And I was like, you know, nobody's going to call me. Like people like really don't care. I was just like really let down. And I was kind of like, I think after, you know, this run with NWA, I'm, I'm pretty much done. I'm going to go back to school, you know, get my master's and forget about these, you know, pipe, pipeline dreams. And I was called by AEW. And they're like, we would like for you to come for one and one and done, right? And I was like, wow, this is this is my shot, you know. And I had a conversation with my husband, and he pretty much was like, we walked for like three miles. And I remember him telling me, you gotta go out there and eat the cake, and really eat all the cake because it's the only chance. And I was like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's do this, you know. So he's like, uh, excuse my friend, he's like, don't shut the bed, you do anything you do, <laughs> you know. This is your only chance. And you cannot make any mistakes because you know how good you are and this is your opportunity. So I went and did one show and then I did a big pay-per-view and they continue to call me and they continue to book me for a whole year as, you know, uh, NWA talent. And um, I was blessed that by almost a year after working with them, uh, they offered me a contract. Uh, so, um, but I worked my butt off every time I was out there and, um, and uh, I was really blessed because uh, I know uh, Kenny, Kenny Omega was a big fan of my work. And he, at the first time that I met him, he was like, I really like your work. And I was just like, oh, you actually watch my stuff? I was like, yeah, I've seen your stuff in Japan. I've seen your stuff everywhere. Uh, I think you are a, a great talent. And, um, and again, it was just, you know, the right moment. And, and I, wouldn't, I would have never thought it would happen when there was no fans in the crowd. But that was 2020, I think, was one of a those like breakout years for, for my career. So a lot of professional wrestling is about, you know, strength, right. And, and endurance. And, and what about the performance aspect? How did you develop that performance piece? So a lot of it's athleticism, but that performance piece, how, how were you able to like take that on and, and go with it? Well, you know, it, it was different for me because I had one, two, like three different characters. Mm-hmm. I came out, I created Thunder Rosa and it was even developing Thunder Rosa was, it was a process. Like, uh, I didn't wear face paint before until I got a concussion in Japan and the face paint was given to me by a promoter in Merced, California, who thought it was a great idea because we were trying to attract Latino customers into, mm-hmm. you know, the, the promotion, but I only wanted to use it there. And then it was just the whole transition of, of my self-discovery of, of me being Mexicana and being Latina in America and being wanted to be accepted as a woman, not as a Latina or as a luchadora, you know? So it was like that whole fight in between, you know, me and, and, and what I was really, what I really was. But when I went to Japan, they didn't want me for who I really was. They wanted, you know, the, the stereotype, you know? So mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't want to give into it until again, the significance of wearing the face paint, which is the day of the dead. And um, uh, I got a really bad confession there. I was out for a month and it was the whole, I think I have to do something. I have to wear something. It makes me different. And so I put the face paint on and, and, and it has been like, again, a resemblance of kind of like being dead and like now representing those who passed away 
in, in, a, in a positive way. And that's what I continue to do with, with the face paint is just being a fighter, being a warrior. Right. And, and that's what I did with all their characters. It was like, you got to find who the characters are. Like I play a, a snake for a long time, Cobra Moon. I got to act like a snake, you know, move like a snake. And my moves have to be like snake. Uh, even the way that I was talking certain times, I have to use certain, you know, nuances to it. And like, I have to have a, uh, a director, a coach to help me with my acting. Cause I was, I had to do acting, like actually it seems like telenovelas, like soap opera. So it was, it was a, it was a process, right? Yeah. And so I have to like, translate all that into it and then just kind of like again um you find who Santa Rosa really was and even now it's like I continue to transition I continue to transform uh I think I haven't you know reached my my full form of Santa Rosa now and now I'm Santa Rosa the baby face the champion the the Tejana representing Latinas and like I come up with a cowboy hat and then I really represent Texas because that's where, where I live but it also represents being a Norteña being from Tijuana Mexico so I'm from the north so Mm-hmm. like I said it's, it was always like pushing that I don't want to do that and now I'm like embracing it so I, I really enjoy the process that's amazing beautiful. amazing amazing did you guys have to go like do you have movement coaches throughout this process like do you have people that teach you how to I don't know move like a snake right <laughs> like how does it how does that work when it comes to I had some people some some, some of our rest some of the wrestlers veterans that they were you know they were very into theater and, and mm-hmm. performing arts so they were teaching how to do some of the stuff uh they also there were some acting coaches and that in in that uh that show so they were giving me a little bit of pointers and i have an accent like english of, of course english is my second language so they were having me say some of the words and it was very difficult I was, can you please change the word so i can actually pronounce it so it was yeah. again it's, it's a lot of learning and even even then i was what 27 i didn't speak english it didn't start speaking English until I was like 23, 24. Like, wow. it actually was legible. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's everything I learn in a very, like, in an older age. So it, it takes me a little while to get it. But when I get it, I get it. So, so Wardlow, yeah, what about, Wardlow, what about you? How did you get into, like, the performing piece? Did you, did it come naturally for you? Or did you have to train yeah. to have no, it? I, I, I did theater when I was in high school in Mexico for, like, two, three years. Then in America, I, when I came to San Diego, the first class I took was theater. So I want to learn how to speak English. So I took theater in English and nobody could understand me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was like, that was my escape. It was like, I felt very comfortable in, in performing in front of people my whole entire life. Even, even in, entertaining my family. Like we had a lot of family functions and I always liked to be the one who was like dancing in front of everyone and entertaining, making everybody laugh. And I was like, yeah, that was, that was my call, be an entertainer. So Wardlow, did you um your your larger life persona was that already always part of you, or is that something you had to cultivate? The or is it like a different side of you that comes out in the ring, or how did you find your performance piece? Uh, yeah, that's always been a part of me. I'd say you know I like I said, wrestling was part of my life at an early age, so I think I embraced it at a young age. Mm-hmm. I was also raised by all women for the most part. So I feel like that um, impacted me to be more of like, I was always just entertaining. Like my my sisters would have their friends over. And so I was always, you know, trying to entertain the ladies. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so, so that came naturally. And then, like I said, that, you know, I basically taught myself how to take bumps and how to roll uh, in my tiny little living room. 
when the first season of Tough Enough came out. Um, I was in, I was young when that first season came out, and that was the first time you had ever seen behind the scenes like that where they, yeah. they really showed how to do that. So I pu- pulled these, uh, you know, I took the mats off the couch and I, uh, I'd squat down and I would take bumps just how they were. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I remember my first day of training, like they didn't believe I had never been in a wrestling ring. <laughs> and I was wow. like, well, I'm like, yeah. I was like, well, my living room's kind of been a wrestling ring for right. many, many years. So, um, so yeah, wrestling just, it's always come very, very natural to me. It's like I was born to do it. So how do you, so the more complicated choreography that you have, the more complicated uh, moves and takedowns and everything, um, how do you work on those throughout the year? Um, and, you know, because you guys are traveling from one place to another and you do some, you know, incredibly complicated moves and some things that are really dangerous. So how, like, how is that process? How, how do you guys come up with the choreography and how do you execute it? before you put that in front of an audience you want to answer that first wardlow wardlow yeah i mean honestly i just go out and do it not to sound like (laughs) weird like like, (laughs) not not to sound cocky but wow i use all the adrenaline right like it's like yeah i had i hadn't done a step up i hadn't done a step up run in literal years I didn't practice before I went out there. I just went out and I did it perfectly. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Like I said, it comes natural for me. So, but not to say I don't work. There is nobody that works harder than me. I'm currently doing the hardest training I've ever been through in my entire life. And Doc Samson can tell you because it's his partner in crime that is putting me through this hell. Um, Yesterday was literally the hardest workout I've ever done in my life. And uh, it's the final stage of this plan I've been on. And it is, uh, you know, it's it's explosive movements. It's power movements. It's everything you need to perform in the ring. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, that is where I work. And that is what prepares me for what I do in the ring. Um, and then I also have done boxing training to better myself in the ring, jujitsu training to better myself in the ring. Um, you, you know, so there's, I'm always doing something physical, something athletic that's going to better myself. So doc, how do you help him develop this kind of program to make him a better wrestler? So, so, um, what I don't, I don't, what the, the general population doesn't understand is, you don't you like you guys were asking you know how do you how do you do these moves you can perfect the move but you also have to take their moves so right if flow or thunder like does i mean i'm not going to get in i don't know all the names of moves but mm-hmm. you know a certain move the person taking the move has to know how to take it so you know if if wardlow is doing something on you know whoever kenny omega and kenny doesn't know how to take it which is <laughs> if you know kenny he knows how to do everything um mm-hmm. he's gonna get hurt so they have to be in coordination of i'm gonna do this move on you do you know how to take this move and then and then do it so um that that was i had to learn that i didn't i didn't know you know that it just it, they just do it so perfectly that you don't think that they're two different things 
but happening at the same time that they plan. So, um, yeah. So for me, um, I mean, I'm, I'll give Bryce, uh, Bryce uh, ready all the credit for how Wardlow looks because he's and Wardlow's been doing the plan. Um, but it's, I mean, they're professional athletes. Sometimes they don't, they don't rise up to that thinking they're professional athletes. Cause like what Thunder said, it's, it's fake. It is not fake. You have a full-time doctor here, three trainers. It is not fake. You know, gravity's gravity. You keep doing it all the time. Eventually you're going to get chronic injuries. You know, you yeah. can get injuries. Um, so they train. We're, I mean, we're on the road every week. Like right now I'm in Orlando uh, we, and we're doing the dark shows. And, uh, you know, Wednesday we're going to be in Cleveland. The following week we're going to be, I don't even know where we are at that week. But anyway, it's, they're on the road. So I think, and you guys can kind of attest to this, the, the, the actual in-ring stuff is hard, but the travel is harder. Because sitting on a plane, and, you know, Wardlow's a big dude. Sitting on a plane, you know, flying cross-country every week, every week. And so you've done all this, you know, physicality. And now you got to get on a plane, and Thunder can attest to this as well. you got to get on a plane and then fly to L.A. for an appearance or fly to, you know, somewhere. So it's the training, but it's also the travel. And so if these guys and girls don't keep themselves up physically and mentally, like you, you can't do this. You can't survive in this, in this organization or this, uh, this sport. So um, we, we look at it a lot with, we have Bryce, who's, he's very versed. He's an athletic trainer. He's very versed in nutrition. So he works with, you know, the talent. Um, we have uh, rehab. Uh, I got to, I got to mention, I give a shout out to all the trainers. Um, Josh, uh, uh, I don't forget Josh's last name. Um, Josh Nations and uh, Brad Westerbach, they help doing the rehab after the guys and girls get injured. They do the, they help with physical therapy to get them back in the ring, um, you know, safely and, and a lot of times better because they never push themselves to get to that point. And so most people that have an injury come back better and stronger because they've had that focused fitness rehab therapy. So, um, the three athletic trainers are amazing and, you know, they, they, they do that. I mean, they, once, once you get the buy-in from the talent, it, you know, it's, it's go time. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I just, honestly, I'm just there for injuries and, uh, um, hoping, you know, getting them back in on the road, but my athletic trainers actually, they, they do the world of everything. So I got to give them a shout out. So real quick, hold on, real, real quick, just to make something clear. So the reason I can go out and do what I do is because I've literally been doing this since I was like five or six years old. I've been training like it takes years and years of training, like for the average person, literal years and life and dedication. Um, I just happen to perfect that over the span of my whole entire life. So I think I'm just like a unique case. But yeah, people don't understand it. It's grueling, the training you go through. I mean, even me, I remember puking multiple times day one of training, my first time ever training. Uh, I had to run out of the ring and puke many, many times. Wow. So uh, yeah, it's wild. And, and we don't have an off season. So yeah, there's, there's no off season. Yeah, I am, I am close to being able to go on stage and compete in a bodybuilding contest. 
that's that's something people prep for for a moment. I'm this year round. Uh, so the work that goes into that, it's a full time job. And I am wrestling year round with injuries. I've had uh, I got in trouble with Doc actually one time because I didn't tell anybody about a, a torn calf that blew out doing sprints because I was getting prepared for blood and guts and I wasn't going to miss that match for nothing. Uh, so I hit it and I, I wrestled with a completely torn calf. I got tears in my knee, my shoulders. I mean, I'm a mess, but you know, we love it. And, and this is what we do. I'm sure Thunder Rose has got a, a million things hurting her right oh. now. <laughs> Oh yeah, like I um, I want to give a shout out to Josh. He's been working with me for just gonna be a, a year. He's one of my therapists, um, and he's been with me and even helped me mentally too. Because a lot of the the pressure that comes is like we don't sleep. Like uh, some of our fights are like at five in the morning, and uh, we finish tapings at twelve one in the morning. So we don't sleep. We just go like sometimes it's been weeks, and I go straight three four days on two three hours of sleep. I have, you know, wow. my, I own my own promotion outside of AEW, an all-women's promotion. And I was running three shows a, uh, a month sometimes, and it was in different states. And, uh, and I was, like, overseeing other women that are wrestlers, and I was training other women, too. So it was very grueling, and it was a lot of sacrifice, and I was trying to maintain my, my health and, and my body, too. So uh, it's been very rough. And, like, uh, before I won the championship, I was, I was hurt for the longest. And I remember one time even Doc was, like, he needs to be taped if he's going to get in the ring. I couldn't feel my legs when I got out in the ring. But I had to get out because I was like, I can't let people down. Like, I, that's how I feel like as wrestlers, we always say that like, we can't let people down. We really want to do this. And we go out there with injuries. So I, I wrestled with my hip uh, taped for about two months because I didn't let it rest. I was just wrestling all the time, every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, maybe sleeping Monday and then traveling again on Tuesday. So it was like non stop because of that drive that we have and we I wanted to be a champion. I wanted to be the best. I wanted people to say that I did it. I wanted to say I did it, you know, for, for myself because I was always been very competitive. And um I I had the chance to become a professional athlete. And that's always even when I was younger, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an athlete. And this is like the first time that I did it. I mean I've I've done MMA. I had an MMA match. Uh a professional one. I jump in and I learn how to do how to do it on the go. You know, I trained for six months and I went and did it. But it was like that's like that kind of what to give me the edge and knowing that I can do whatever I put my mind into. Um, and even on the trainings, I was I was wrestling and doing MMA at the same time. And I remember being my back being shut because of the overtraining that I was doing, and because I had to put you know money on my table and I had to wrestle because that's my job. Right. So it was very very tough. And now being on the stage that I'm in, um, I got to manage not sleeping, not eating right, not being able to work out the way I want to work out because I'm always on the road. There's been, I think, the last two months, I've been, I think I've been home two, two times in the last two months for three days, right? And I'm a mother, you know, and I have to take care of my kid. I got to take care of the house. I got to take care of everything else. I got to take care of the business and I have to be a champion. So... Like I gotta balance things out, and honestly, like having having the support that we have, it, it feels very good. When we were in the independence scene, if you're hurt, you're hurt. You know, you don't have insurance. You just gotta go out there and do your thing. And here, I felt bad one time because I had an injury. I think it was my elbow, and I didn't tell Doc. 
for six weeks until I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> and I was like, God, my elbow hurts. I think I'm hurt. She's like, Melissa, you did it again. And, you know, they, t- they took care of me. And, um, and even now when I have problems, I feel more comfortable and feel more like, okay, this is my only body. I got to take care of it. So when I have an issue, I'll be like, Josh, I think there's something wrong. Then he talks to me. I go see him. Then dog uh, helps me out. And, and, and we are doing this to like do the recovery faster in, in, in a more, in a proper way, instead of me waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and be like, I can't move dog. I, I got a match today. Like, what are we going to do? You know, so it is important that we, uh, we take care of our, our bodies and, 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 and we, we do as much as we can to recover faster. And, and, just, and just to jump in real quick. So, you know, again, what's amazing with this, with this uh, uh, sport is you can have, when, when people come to, you know, AEW and if they've been on the Indies forever, like Thunder said, they they have nothing. They they just go out and do it. You know, if their arms falling off, it's falling off. Like they're gonna wrestle still. They have nobody to kind of you know be their uh, voice to the upper management or creative and or take care of them. And so everybody's very quiet about their injuries because they think that you know you're gonna get pulled right away. And the beauty of this business is I can still let athletes go into the ring we can change up the story a little bit of what they're doing so say you know somebody can't you know i don't i don't allow them to do any physicality i can still let them go in the ring you know um do promos you know have a presence continue the storyline and yet keep them safe so keep them relevant but keep them safe and it it takes a while for these guys to learn that like we're on their side we're not there to you know stop I mean, you know, health and welfare that is bottom line, but we're there to help them be the best they can be, but safely as well. And so I love that part of the business where I can still have people participating, but, you know, back it down a little bit until they get healed and then get back in there. So um, that that's, again, something that, you know, you're with other sports that if, you know, your quarterback goes down and, and he or she can't go out and do anything, you can't you can't change up the, the, the parameters of that. With this sport, you can and still keep them relevant. So, real quick, um, as yeah. an objection to this point about you guys with injuries. So, like uh, Dr. Sampson, when let's say there's an injury that requires a little bit more than like you need imaging, you need something more advanced, but you're on the road all the time. How do you, or if you want having you know different injections that certain specialists can do, how do you handle that? How does that work out? So, um, we. Like we're we're basically a traveling uh, hospital medical service, um, right. so we do a lot of things on the road. But you know, if it if it if it takes something, you know, for you know, send them to another specialist to have something done like PRP or stem cells or right. surgery. Um, I have a good network around the country, actually around the world, um, that I can contact people and say, hey, you know, can I get this this uh, you know my one of my athletes in to be seen? So try to keep it in their, in their area, wherever they live. Uh, but if I can't, then, you know, I'll send them to wherever. And, you know, I always give, you know, my five top choices for whatever specialists. And then I let the athlete choose. And if they have someone that they want to go to, I let them too. But the thing with this is many, and, and you said this earlier, Steve, many 
doctors don't know about professional wrestling wrestling and so yeah that's great they go in and have surgery but they don't understand what they do um and i've had many stories of that where the doctor cleared a person say they had an orbital fracture and the doctor said oh yeah you can go to back to work in a couple of weeks i'm like no he can't he has a you know what he does and i won't mention the person's name that had this um and they're like no they're fine i go they're professional wrestlers you know, no, as, as a doctor, no, they're not allowed to do that for like six to eight weeks. So, you know, it's, it's going get the best, best care we can, but again, that putting the spin on that too, when they come back to make sure that they're, they're healthy and stuff. So yeah, I have, I've, um, um, from my previous job, I've have connections, uh, all over the world to, you know, to the top medical care. So. So Wardlow, you talked before about your um, your passion for wrestling and how you done at an early age um, and how much you push yourself and you work so hard. So, and one of the things, of course, that drives you is to perform for the people out there because I'm sure you're you're always thinking that you know there's a, a kid out there who came there to see you and you don't want to let them down. So, but Thunder Rosa also mentioned the mental part of this. So, how do you handle like the pressure you put on yourself to perform for others? versus what you need to recharge and be able to perform at the top of your game, you know, show after show after show, how do you balance with what you're giving out to others versus what you need for yourself? Oh man. Yeah. I'm a psychopath. I think, uh, I think most wrestlers are, it's just, I've accepted it at this point. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, but you nail, you, you, you nailed it on the head. Um, you know, that's the reason I do it. You know, I I didn't have much growing up. You know, I was just a poor kid from the middle of nowhere, Ohio. So wrestling was my world. And that was what that that's why I got out of bed in the morning when I was a little kid. Wow, um, that's who that's who I looked up to as father figures. Like, so knowing that there's kids out there that are looking at me the same way I was looking at those guys. Uh, is mind blowing and is absolutely the, the whole reason I do it. So that brings me so much peace and happiness um, that it makes it all worth it. But yeah, in between, uh, you know, outside of that, you know, sometimes five, 10, 15, however many minutes that you're out there outside of that, um, there is an incredible amount of, of pressure and stress and uh and pain <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh real quick thunder rosa i think uh ohio can feel the power of you through this phone because my power's already gone out there is thunder <laughs> and lightning just absolutely crazy I'm everywhere. out here I'm literally everywhere. ever since you, it, it was sunshine until we started this <laughs> um <laughs> But, but, but speaking, speaking of the injuries, um, it's funny, coincidentally, and I'm not just saying this for the podcast, earlier today, no joke, I was telling somebody uh, that Doc Sampson and Bryce Reddy have literally changed my life. Uh, and wow. I'm not even joking uh, when I say that. Uh, I look in the mirror and I see the person I've always envisioned and wanted to be. And it's thanks to them. Um, there's things over the past three years, injuries that should have and could have um, taken me out 
And instead, they were bumps in the road because of what our medical team, what those two uh, did for my body and my health. Uh, It's I'll never, ever be able to thank them enough. Uh, for what they've done for me. It's just, it's truly incredible. And they're the reason I keep going. That's awesome. Wardlow, what does it take for you to perform your best? Like when it comes to sleep, are you getting sleep? Like, you know, what are you doing outside of the training to, to be in top shape? Um, so yeah, I'm pretty tunnel vision, uh, Mm -hmm. with wrestling. So Everything I do is for that. I'm pretty selfish with it. So I am getting an abundance of sleep. Um, so now there's, <laughs> now I know, I'm sorry, Thunder Rosa. I know after, after what you said, I'm going to feel really bad about all this. You have, um, cause when you're on the road, it's, it's nuts. You know, you, you go out there, the adrenaline's so crazy. Usually I'm just up in my hotel room just laying in bed all night because the adrenaline, you know, doesn't come down. And then you have to be up in the morning to fly and then you're traveling. Mm. So those couple days are exhausting. So I make sure the days I'm home, I am getting plenty of sleep. Um, Plus, like I said, the training I do, um, I'm talking hours a day. So, uh, you know, I'm constantly Epsom salt baths and, and resting and sleeping and training um, and eating, eating is a full-time job. Yep. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much what I'm doing. I'm always, always something physical, I'm either resting or working out. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so Thunder Rosa, you have yes. all this plus your mom, plus, you know, you talk about, um, you know, your representation with the, with the Latino community, bringing it to wrestling as well. You have all the, you have your own company, you have all these different things going on. So how do you find the, uh, you know, ways to recharge and rejuvenate yourself with the lack that's of sleep great, you get. That's a great question. It's been, uh, it's been very challenging because I'm like, again, a very like goal driven. And, uh, in the last, I would say in the last five, six months, everything has come at the same time. So it's just like deadlines are coming. Gotta make sure I like hit the deadlines. I'm like, I didn't sleep as much as I can. Like, um, Sometimes in, in a week, I, I'm taking between six to eight uh, flights. So anytime I'm on a flight, as soon as I hit it, I go to sleep. Like, no questions are it's just like, <laughs> and I wake up and go like, I got to the next one. It's not the best sleep, but at least I get some sleep. When I'm home, like I've been home in the last three days, I've gotten eight hours of sleep or seven at least. So I make sure I wait, go to sleep before 12 o'clock, wake up six, seven in the morning, you know, and then I got, I, I'm in my routine. Uh, and uh, when I'm home, I, I'm, I have a routine. When I'm in the road, I try to make it a, a routine as much as possible. But it's, you know, with delays and everything, it's, it's kind of impossible. And, and just making sure that even when I'm at the, at the airports and I don't have my meal preps, when I was at home, I was able to get a meal prep. So I was eating really healthy. And I can see the changes in my body immediately. Right now, um, you know, I, it, it, my body feels great. This is the first time that I actually can say that I haven't been as injured as I used to before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it feels really, really good. But um, I am, I don't, I don't look like Warlow, which I will have to give it to him. Like if you guys would have seen him, I would say <laughs> six months ago, like how he looks is like, 
like I, I always tell him every time I see him, like he looks great because he's working super hard on it. And I know how difficult it is to, to be top shape at all times because you have to be very consistent. So I think, um, like I said, as much as possible, I eat well. I, when I'm home, I try to eat, I mean, eat, sleep as much. I have, I, I have a gym in my garage. So I work, that first thing I do in the morning, I work out. I got to be moving. I got to be moving. Uh, and I got to be gentle to my, my joints. So instead of running, I love running. Uh, so I, I'm doing, I, I bought a bicycle. So I ride my bicycle for five, six miles in the heat of San Antonio, Texas. So um, that, that, you know, <laughs> gives me the peace that I need to have for a half an hour, 45 minutes. So um, again, I, I'm still right now, I'm trying to find that balance because when I go and perform like those 10, eight to 15 minutes that I'm in the ring, that's the moment that I know I have con complete control over everything. It doesn't matter if I'm like, you know, having personal issues, if I'm having work issues, if I'm feeling hurt. Those 10 minutes are so important to me because it's, it's, it's just like I can create magic and I feel, and I feel invincible, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, it is very important that I, 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 I keep that place sacred. And like for me, the ring and performing is a sacred place. And I want to keep that sacred. Um, on a mental health standpoint, do you guys feel like professional wrestling has enough resources for wrestlers? Because this is a, a high, you know, pressure sport. Like, how are you guys handling the mental health pressures of it? I'll, I will have to say with AEW, I've been very supported on mental health. Amazing. I would have a, a psychiatrist and I, I access to him when I when I had issues. And um, and also uh, our our second, our second in command, Mega, uh, mm -hmm. she's very open when you need to talk. And she, mm -hmm. she's, she's, uh, she, has a, she actually is a counselor, too. So I, I had a conversation with her this week about some, some of my personal stuff. And um, this morning, she sent me uh, different resources of things that I can, I can utilize you know, support, to support like the conversation that we had, which made me feel, uh, made me feel really well because I'm reading it. And I'm going over it and I'm like, okay, I can do this, you know? So, uh, I talked to uh, Dr. Uh, Samson and then he, he's one of the ones who like, you know, encouraged me to do that. The same with jo um, Josh, like I feel comfortable to go and talk to him if I have any issues and they guide me on the right way. Right. And I think it is important just as much as we invest in our bodies okay. to invest in our minds because mm -hmm. it's, it's, we are under so much pressure mm -hmm. at work and even in as, as public figures. Right, because like they want, they put us on a pedestal all the time, and then when you say something wrong or something is done a certain way, everybody can jump in, like try to cut your throat. But um, I personally, working with AEW has helped me in, in that aspect tremendously. Orlo, how how about you, Orlo? Because you know, um, like sometimes you do you have anybody that can help you like realize sometimes I gotta dial back a little bit or I burn myself out or um, mm -hmm. like how do you handle that? Well, like I said, I've just completely accepted that I'm just a psychopath from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, no, 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 no. I, uh, yeah, I just need to vent and I have somebody I get to vent to, but, uh, you know, I just, at the end of the day, it really just comes to, there's ups and downs in everything and there, there's going to be in professional wrestling and in your, and in your career. So it doesn't matter what's going on today. It really just comes down to knowing things are going to work out. You really have to have the confidence in yourself to know whatever's happening right now, if it feels weird or feels off, 
or it's messing with your head. It's like, it's going to work out. So I don't know. I just try to keep a positive attitude. And what we do um, is, so we have a psychiatrist um, and he's familiar with the wrestling industry, which is huge because if you go in to, you know, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and you start explaining your sport and they don't understand it, they can't understand what, like we talked about not having an off season, all the travel, you know, it's, 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 it's a, you're in front of the TV in basically skimpy clothes. You got to look good. And so there's that pressure. So there's all these, all these guys have, and when I say guys, I mean guys and girls, I just combined it. Um, they, they have all these stressors. And so with that, we have a sports psychiatrist that understands uh, wrestling. Um, we have like, like she alluded to uh, Mega, who is our, she's, a, she, she's an amazing woman. She and, and Margaret, uh, they're, uh, legal and HR, they are very conscious of making sure talent has good mental health resources. And, you know, what we do is if you say you're off for an injury, you're, you know, you're sitting at home and you're doing, you know, say you had surgery and you're sitting at home and you're doing therapy at home. If you're not on the road and, and on the road gets addicting, it gets, when you're not on the road, you start losing your mind. When you're on the road, you start losing your mind. But when you're not on the road, and particularly when you're not on TV and you think that your character is going away or you're not being relevant anymore, we make sure that we keep in touch with talent to say, hey, how are things going? And I'll bring them into TV every once in a while to see how their therapy is going to make sure that they're going to get back to what they need to get back to. Because, again, some therapists, well, many therapists don't know what professional is. And so with that, we have to make sure that they're up to speed. And that's where the is coming because we'll bring them in and, and a couple of talent came in. They were two months behind where they should have been for, uh, for, for what we needed them for. And so we amped up their program along with their physical therapy to get to that point. And so, you know, we're very, we're very cognizant of that, that they stay with us, know that we are still thinking of them, you know, keep them relevant. And then also, um, you know, like I said, I bring them in every once in a while and then have them, uh, have them, you know, see everybody, meet with everybody. Cause we're a big family. Like we're a big family. And so, um, with having that, just seeing your family is amazing. And so we make sure we keep that up to date and we keep every, everybody in the loop. And then, again, that helps mentally as well as physically. So, so doc with mental health being a topic here, how do you handle yourself with you know, being on the road all the time, you know, most doctors have a practice they go to and they go home and you're always traveling all the time. How do you handle that? Because that seems to me, it would be a wear, a wear and tear on your mind too. So when I first started this back in 2008 with another company, um, it, it took a while for me to adjust. Although you being with collegiate sports, Olympic sports, everything, you're traveling just not all the time. You have a home base most of the time. Right. For this sport, yeah, we're on the road, you know, nationally, and we're going to be starting to go internationally again. It, it it was tough, and so with me, I would just grind it out, you know, because um, I have to be at the, the top of my game to have them at the top of their game. And so when I get home on Thursdays or whenever we get home, I have a me day. I all my friends know I'm not like, yeah, you could call and ask me to do something, 
I'm going to stop at the grocery store. I'm going to pick up something to eat. I'm going to go one day. Um, and then I go home. I lay on the couch. I binge all my TV shows. I get me time for that 24 hours. And after that, I'm ready to go. And so it's very important to get me time, no matter what you do. But particularly for me, that's if I don't get that, I, I, I starts dragging me down. And then, like I said, with us being a, a big family, um, Bryce, uh, Josh, Brad, my athletic trainers, I talk to them about stuff. Like I open up to them and we have our own little, you know, um, group sessions and therapy sessions of, you know, what's going on at home. How can, you know, how can, how can, how can I get over that? Whatever. And so, um, we have a good support group just within ourselves, um, but I mean, I, I can easily reach out to our sports psychiatrists too and talk to them. But um, I, I just need that me day and working out. You have to work out. Like that's my, that's how I get my aggressions. Um, <laughs> you, you know me, Stephen, and, and Thunder and Wardlow know me. I, I sometimes I, I blow up. Um, I get very. Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's why I get along in this sport because um, I have that mentality, and so. Um, with, with working out and eating well and stuff. I mean, I can't be, again, I have to be at the top of my game and also, you know, I get to be on TV every once too. So I, I want to look good on TV, but I, I want to look like Wardlow eventually. So. <laughs> so we have a, we have a few minutes left and I want to make sure I don't forget to ask doc. Um, let's start with you. What's your favorite part about this job and why does it keep you going? So, <clears throat> It, it, it brings all my brain together. So I, you know, growing up, I always wanted to do, I wanted to be an actor. You don't grow up in a blue collar family and say, yeah, be an actor, because they'll say, uh, no, get your butt to work and you're not going to be an actor. Right. So oh, I played sports. So this sports aspect into it, um, the, the medical part of it, I get to take care of these amazing athletes. Um, being on TV and sometimes I do scripted stuff, um, which I usually try to do on one take, but I usually don't. Um, but it, it just <laughs> combines so many different things that like make me happy that like I have the best job in the world and travel. I mean, I get paid to travel all over the world. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So I have every part of this job is perfect for me. And that's what keeps me going. Well, and I mean, the talent keep me going because they're amazing. So, yeah. Thunder Rosa, what about you? Uh, what keeps me going is uh, the, just similar to, to Doc, like uh, I always dreamed that I was going to travel the world. And um, growing where I grew up, like being the middle child of four girls and this little tiny house in Tijuana, Mexico, never thought it was going to happen. But um, it happened with professional wrestling. I always wanted to, you know, achieve something like that and making a difference in my community. I think that's the one thing I will say, no matter how difficult things can be, no matter how dark some of the moments I've, I've had in my career. Um, like, for example, yesterday, I had a whole family from uh, the victims of Uvalde came to my show to meet me uh, after I sent them a uh, cameo um, because it was a, one of the, the kids, Yuseas, uh, uh, who passed away during this tragedy. The whole family came and, um, and I met the brother who was in San Antonio when I won the championship. And for me, like having, giving him a hug, giving a hug to the, his, his little sister, seeing them smile. And at the end of the show, telling me how 
my presence and the work that I've done in professional wrestling has get, uh, done a positive, I'm a positive role model for them. It, it, it means the world to me because mm-hmm. uh, I never thought be, because of what I do, being a professional wrestler was going to make such an impact. Uh, I think that keeps me going with kids, with other women that are, are fans and then they later become professional wrestlers or actresses or they just keep on pursuing their dreams because they believe in what I'm doing and just motivate them to do something different. Amazing. Yeah. Wardlow, what about you? <laughs> uh, similar to Doc, uh, there's so many aspects. Mm-hmm. So you get, you know, like I said, I grew up a performer. I was always entertaining. So you get to the, you know, I've always wanted to be, you know, there's a, a good chance I may get into acting one day. Um, you know, so you get to do that. You get to, you know, put on a show. Um, I've always loved sports. I've always loved pushing myself as an athlete and you get to do that as well. I've always loved bodybuilding and the bodybuilding culture. And I've always loved working out and lifting weights. And I get to go out there and show off my body and show off my hard work. Um, and of course there's, when there's thousands of people chanting your name in an arena that is highly motivational, um, <laughs> and, and, and a high that no drug could ever give you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so that'll push you. Um, so there's just so many things and, and, and knowing you're helping people, uh, you know, when I get messages that somebody lost, I know a guy that literally lost hundreds of pounds and it was because he went to an indie show and saw me and, uh, and he literally looks like a completely different person and is healthy now. And I was the one that initially inspired him to do that. So that to me is, is just incredible. So all those things combined, it's, uh, you know, and it pays well too, let's be honest. So there's yeah, every everything <laughs> about professional wrestling. I just I love it, and everything about it brings me uh, joy. And and traveling, like you guys said, I was very poor growing up. I think I left Ohio twice in 25 years. Uh, now I've been in more cities in the U.S. <laughs> you know, the past three years, uh, I've been all across the United States. So I've never had that in my life. Uh, so it's bringing me uh, a lifestyle that I literally only dreamt of, you know, and that I've never had in experiences I've never had. So very blessed. Well, TNT champ Wardlow, AEW women's champ, Thunder Rosa, AEW medical champ, Doc Sampson. Yes. <laughs> I want to thank you guys so much for being here. You inspired me. I can't wait to work out now after this podcast. I'm all fired up now. <laughs> you guys. Oh my God. So um, thank you so much for being here today, taking time out of your very busy schedule and your downtime to uh, talk with us and share with us your lives. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this show. I think pound for pound, this may be the strongest show we've ever done. Yasi, thanks so much for being here again. Thank you. Remember, if you like what you hear and you want to help us do more of these shows, please click subscribe and leave a nice review for us. For Yasi Ansari, this is Stephen Karajinas. And this has been the Athletes in the Arts podcast.